Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back once again with all of our listeners and to have this opportunity to get into God's Word again and study a little bit more together. We're thankful to have this opportunity to be with you each day right here on Search the Scriptures, and we're thankful that you're there. We really take this time seriously as a blessing from God, but also as a responsibility to bring God glory by teaching His Word accurately and effectively. And we pray powerfully. You know, God's Word can change lives because His Word is truth. Remember that Jesus said in John 8 and verse 32, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free, or set you free. Free from what? from the guilt and condemnation of sin. You see, the truth of God's word can lead us to a changed life. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now that's the message of salvation, the good news of salvation through Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Through the message of the gospel, A life can be changed from having been lost in the condemnation of sin to come into salvation in Jesus Christ. Oh yes, God's word can change lives if we'll listen, if we'll pay attention, if we'll make the proper applications. We can live the better life, the best life, a saved life through Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to encourage your friends, and then do this yourself. Go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Scroll down the home page to the podcast button, click on that, and in about one minute, you can sign up for our podcasting. In doing so, you will automatically receive all of these radio programs, plus all of our sermons, Bible classes, And a great feature, a daily Bible class, today's Bible class, about 12 minutes each day to keep us in God's Word and connected with God and focused on our spiritual life. All of these really valuable biblical lessons will come right to your device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, your computer, your laptop, your pad, whatever it is, and it will always be free and it will be automatic. We encourage you. Tell your friends, your family members, your work associates, listen to this program. Now again, they can go to our website at churchofchrist.com and they can also enroll or sign up for our podcasting and they'll receive all of these lessons from God's Word automatically on an ongoing basis. And again, it's all free. So we encourage you to do that. Now, we're continuing our study of God's grace. We have been looking at this study in several specific applications or from several different specific points of view. And here we're talking about cheap grace. Now, we've looked at the rule of thumb. You get out of something according to what you put into it. Or put a different way, you get what you pay for. And so we've talked about how this applies when it comes to economics. If you want the cheapest, the least expensive, you're probably going to sacrifice some quality. If you want the quality, the high quality especially, 
you're probably, probably going to have to commit more money to buy whatever that is that you're looking for. But it's not just in the area of economics that this principle is true. We talked about how it applies to other areas in life, like jobs. If you want a really fulfilling and rewarding and good experience in your job, you're going to have to make the commitment to put yourself into that job. If you want to get the good grades in school and ultimately get the degrees that you're seeking to to uh, equip you for whatever profession that you're looking for to go into, you're going to have to make the commitment to study the material, listen to the material being, being uh, taught, and also uh, take the tests and do well. You're going to have to really put yourself into that schooling. Well, recreational pursuits are the same way. If you want to be a good baseball player, you've got to practice. You've got to play the game. Same could be said for football or basketball or soccer or golf or tennis or whatever. But also, it applies to relationships. If you want a really good, fulfilling, satisfying, and long-lasting relationship, then you've got to put yourself into it. You've got to make a really strong and consistent commitment to that relationship, to build it, to maintain it, to nurture it, to help it grow and even to protect it. So this principle is there. You get out of something according to what you put into it, or you get what you pay for. Well, this principle also applies to our spiritual lives, and most importantly to our spiritual lives. When it comes to Christianity, there are a whole lot of people who want all the benefits, all the blessings, particularly forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, without having to make the commitment to be a Christian, to live the life of a Christian. They just want the blessings. They want the assurances without having to make the commitment to live the life of being a real, dedicated, faithful Christian. Well, the idea of salvation without commitment is a cheapening of God's grace, and it shows terrible disrespect for the price that God paid to give us the opportunity to be saved. Now, God is the one who saves. Salvation is by grace. We've looked at that in some detail. But God expects us to respond to his offer of salvation by grace in our obedience and dedication and commitment. Again, let's not ever let ourselves fall into even a, a complacent or subconscious kind of mindset of cheapening God's grace by not thinking that we have to live the life of commitment that goes with receiving his grace. Now we've looked at, we focused upon John chapter 1 in verse 17, where the apostle John wrote, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now we've looked at that particular verse, we've talked about how it is misunderstood radically and also terribly misapplied by a lot of people. They do not catch or else they ignore that it says the law was given through Moses. And so that is talking about a specific spiritual law from God that was given to the people of Israel through Moses for Old Testament times. 
It's not talking about all spiritual law. And a lot of people, they, they will say, they'll think, you know, we're not under law today, we're under grace and truth. Well, that's not what it says. Jesus is the fulfillment, the absolute ultimate fulfillment of God's grace that was foretold, prophesied through the Old Testament law of Moses, those Old Testament scriptures. He came to fulfill what they were prophesying about. So he is the ultimate fulfillment of God's grace and truth. In our last program together, we talked about how we talked about how uh, and, and incidentally, in, in illustrating this particular understanding of John 1.17, we referred to Romans chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, in Galatians 3, verses 23 through 25, and Ephesians chapter 2, verses 15 and 16, which all say the same thing, essentially, as what John 1.17 says. Now, we noted that there has always been spiritual law given by God to mankind, going all the way back into the garden. We looked at Genesis chapter 2, and we noted that God commanded the man and woman to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he said, for in the day that you eat thereof, you shall surely die. Now that's commandment, and that is spiritual law. There would be judgment from God upon them if they disobeyed his commandment to not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they disobeyed in Genesis chapter 3, and when they ate of that fruit of that tree, everything changed. They had become disobedient to God, and that's sin. That's sin. And we need to understand that there are sins of commission, that is, sins by action, and sins of omission, sins where we do not do what we're supposed to do, what God instructs us to do. They, by action, disobeyed God's commandment to not eat of that particular fruit, of that particular tree. They sinned. They disobeyed God. And God held them accountable. We looked at Genesis chapter 3, verses 16 through 24, where God pronounced judgment upon both the woman and through her womanhood for the rest of time, and also upon the man and through him mankind through the rest of, man, uh, through the rest of time. Now that's judgment upon, by God upon humanity. Why? Because they had sinned. Sin, again, is a spiritual concept, a spiritual principle, and it has spiritual consequences. So when God said, do not eat of that particular fruit, of that particular tree, that was spiritual law. When they disobeyed God, they became guilty of sin, and God brought judgment upon them as a result of that. Spiritual law already existed for mankind going all the way back to the garden. And it has always existed, and it still exists today. Now, look at Genesis chapter 4. 
We begin reading with verse 3, and we see another example of this spiritual law being in existence in the early generations of mankind. In verse 3, Genesis chapter 4, in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Now this would have been worship. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Now God obviously instructed them as to what he wanted them to bring to him by way of offering in worship to him because of what we read next. The Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will it not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you should overcome it. Now, where there is no law, there is no sin. God held Abel and Cain accountable for how they would worship him through these offerings. He respected and accepted Abel's offering. He disrespected Cain's offering, and he let him know that. Now, how would they know what would be acceptable and what would be unacceptable by way of offering in worship to God? God had obviously instructed them. The Hebrews writer tells us that by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, by faith, where does faith come from? The scriptures tell us. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. So, since Abel, by faith, offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, God obviously gave both Cain and Abel instructions as to his will, as to what he wanted them to offer by way of worship before him. Abel followed through, obeyed. Cain did something else, and his sacrifice was not acceptable to God. God obviously instructed them. That was spiritual law. Spiritual law. Now we could read farther down in Genesis chapter 3 about how in his anger and resentment, Cain murdered his brother. In verse 8, Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel your brother? Now God knew where Abel was. God knew exactly what had happened. He knew that Cain had murdered him, but he was calling Cain to account. And Cain said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? Well, he was trying to deflect or deceive. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He asks him again. I do not know. I'm sorry, this is the same verse I read a moment ago, verse 9. Verse 10, he said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. 
Again, God knew exactly what had happened, knew exactly what Cain had done, murdered his brother. In verse 11, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. Now, God was bringing judgment upon Cain. Why? Because Cain had sinned. He had murdered his brother. You see, without spiritual law to hold him accountable, God would not have brought judgment upon him. We're to understand that. I believe no question about that. Because where there is no law, there is no sin. Sin is transgression of the law. God held Cain accountable for his sacrifice and disrespected it because it was not what God had instructed, obviously. But he also held Cain accountable for murdering his brother. That was further sin on Cain's part. Now some will say, well, what do you mean law? We live under, that, that we live under law today. Again, they misunderstand John 1.17. They misapply it. We've already pointed that out. That's referring specifically to the law of Moses, the spiritual law that God gave to Israel through Moses in Old Testament times. We've seen by three different illustrations going all the way back to the Garden of Eden, and then a little bit after that, that God had spiritual law in place. If he had not instructed Cain and Abel as to what kind of sacrifice he wanted them to offer him in way of worshiping him, he could not have held Cain accountable. If he did not have some kind of spiritual law in place regarding the sanctity of life, he could not have held Cain accountable for murdering his brother. Now, why can I say this? And at the same time, why do I emphasize that we are under spiritual law today? Jesus, the Christ, did not bring spiritual law to an end. All I have to do is ask the question, and I know the answer every one of you will give. Is there such a thing as sin in the world today? Is there such a thing as sin in our country today? Is there sin in our community? I know the answer to every one of those. Every one of you would say, well, well yes, there's sin, obviously. Sin is all around us, the evidence of it. It's easy to see, to observe, and the effects of it. Well, what is sin? If we look at 1 John chapter 3 and verse 4, John the Apostle, by inspiration, wrote this, Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. Or the King James Version says, sin is transgression of the law. Breaking the law. What law? The law from God. Because sin is a spiritual concept again. Sin exists because law exists. 
is there law that we live under today? Spiritual law? Romans chapter 8 and verse 2, we read this. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made us free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life, that's talking about, that is in Christ Jesus. That's talking about spiritual law that we live under and to which we are accountable today. In Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, we read this from the Apostle Paul. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Christ did not come to bring spiritual law to an end. He came to fulfill and bring to an end the law of Moses, the Old Testament law of Moses, and establish his law, the gospel, the New Testament of Christ, under which we live today. Look at what James wrote in James chapter 1 and verse 25, and we read this, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful is not a forgetful hearer but a doer of the work this one will be blessed in what he does what does james say that is the perfect law of liberty and then in chapter 2 and verse 8 he says again if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures and then he gives an example you shall love your neighbor as yourself he says you do well law he's referring to law spiritual law the law of christ the law of the spirit the law of liberty the royal law all of those are various ways of referring to the spiritual law that Jesus brought to mankind as he came as the Savior, and under which we live today and are held accountable by God. We'll look further into this next time. Let's pray together as we close. Father, thank you for giving us your law your spiritual law to live by because it gives us, it brings order to our lives in a most profound and productive and blessed way. It gives us direction as to how to live the best life that a human being can live on this earth. And it also gives us hope of being able to be with you for all of eternity as we come to you for forgiveness and salvation, being baptized into Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord and Savior. Praise be to you, Father, and glory and thanks. Please forgive us. Please forgive us, gracious Father, and hear our prayer in Christ's name. Amen.